Welcome to Kindly Gifted. I'm your host, Kate Tarantiva, and I can't wait to unwrap the world of influence with you. Every day, your gifted episodes, see what I did there, to help you become fluent in the business of creativity and learn the best kept industry secrets to creating an online presence worth remembering. It's really like having a momager on speed dial. So let's dive into it. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. I've talked about personas before on the show. There's an episode on that. But I was mainly talking about like influencers and entertainers and um, more mainstream people of influence, not necessarily people in the business world or founders or C-suite executives or politicians. Um, And I think that the way personas are used in the entertainment world and the influencer world are very different than the way that they're used in business. In its interest, this is an observation and also quick, quick note. Um, part of my job is to help influencers and more traditional public figures further their personal brand and, and brand building online community efforts. But also a huge part of my job, and especially like this is, I've been doing this for as long as I've been an art director is advising founders, um, celebrity designers, you know, C-suite executives on how to transition into the spotlight and out from behind the curtain because it is a psychological fact that we create better connections with a brand when we feel like we know what their values are, when we feel like they're humanized in some sense. And so in today's world, it's almost a prerequisite for you as a founder um, or you as a company to find somebody within your company structure to be the face of your company or faces of your company. Um, Because people want to feel that this is not some big bland corporation. And we'll talk about, we'll talk about that. I'll give some examples Um, And also some alternatives for if you are listening and you work for a large company that does not have a face, some things that you can do to humanize the brand presence a little bit more. And it's not first thought stuff like UGC, like that's kind of like a duh, you know what I mean? Um, (laughs) So personas in like the entertainment world, I'm talking Paris Hilton or, you know, uh, Hailey Bieber influencers like Jackie Ina in that kind of stuff like it's interesting to me because it's so important that they be authentic like people get really upset when they realize like oh you're not really who I thought you were despite the fact that it's like we don't know these people in real life. I mean, we don't have, most of us don't have the pleasure of being in, in Jackie Ina's inner circle or Michaela Nagara's inner circle or Haley Bieber's or Paris Hilton's. Like we don't, we, all we see is what they want us to see, how they want us to see it and their team's efforts of creating an image for them. Um, 
And sometimes, you know, so there, you, there is a part in the mainstream celebrity world that, uh, there usually is some sort of like trigger and they create, you know, a tell all documentary or write a memoir about their truth, whatever that truth is. And usually at that time is when they explain that the things that they have allowed you to see on social media and the things that they have kept private is because it's been linked to whatever trauma, whatever event. Um, and this was their, you know, them coming online or being in the public eye and acting the way they acted, whether good or bad, was to create some sort of boundaries between, you know, us as their fans and them as a public figure in their privacy. But it's just very interesting to me because in, in a personal brand aspect, you are building a brand around yourself as a person. It's, you're not humanizing your brand, you know? For example, in, in a structure like, um, like politics or, or a corporate company structure, Instagram, TikTok, you know, um, Amazon, McDonald's, like most of the times these companies are humanizing their brand. The brand is already built. Now they need to like create emotional connections with their audiences. So they're going to go and try to find, you know, like somebody within the company who can be a recognizable face, who can be, who can create connections with the target audience, da, 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 right? With a personal brand, a public figure, an influencer, you are building a brand around who you already are as a person. You're using product marketing, product product marketing principles that traditional companies use in order to market yourself as a person, as a product. So because you immediately create human connections with people out the gate, you as the human are, is the product, right? Um, authenticity and your morals value uh, values um, matter a lot. And I would argue a lot more than they do if, you know, I selected a face to represent all of McDonald's, you know, though that person's role is strictly bottling up everything that is the company and creating a persona that relates to the target audience in order to further, you know, their visibility within a certain target audience group to make revenue, da 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 okay? I think it's very interesting how people place a lot more, it's way more important for people, for personal brands, public figures, influencers, humans, um, when building a brand around themselves to ensure that it is done incredibly authentically. Otherwise, it backfires. We saw this with Hailey Bieber. <laughs> and every single time when this happens, the celebrity is always like, or the influencer is always like, they don't really know who I actually am, which is true. Um, however, they automatically, the audience members automatically feel like they know who you are because you are a human being by default. You're not a logo. So it's kind of interesting, the dynamic, but anyways, when it comes to business, people like don't place those same expectations on somebody who's the face of a company. I think people are like, yeah, okay, we get it. We get what's going on here. Like, this is part of a marketing tactic. We totally get that. However, it adds so much more 
if the person who is the face of the company that they that they are exposed to on social media um, is actually very genuine and delivers the brand ethos in a very authentic way. And I'm going to give some examples. So with the prospective TikTok ban, um, it has forced C- TikTok CEO Sho Chu to come into the public eye. He created only, he already has his own personal TikTok presence. I'm pretty sure that's like, hello, like, why wouldn't you if you work for a social media company? But he created only two videos on the official TikTok brand page. Only two. And already he was being called Daddy TikTok. Granted, granted, there is a nuanced circumstance in the fact that like this man is fighting for the rights of like 150 million Americans and him being, you know, Singaporean. (laughs) Um, And also like there are some, some more, you know, difficult circumstances at hand here that have contributed to people's compassion for him. Furthermore, the congressional hearing has allowed him to showcase how he behaves like it's really easy to fake a persona in like 30 seconds but it's hard to fake it for five hours straight okay so I think people have like established that okay yeah we don't know who this man actually is in real life like we've not most of us have not met him but we can deduce based on how he behaved in a in the congressional hearing that like that's probably who he is right so it's very interesting that he has gained a lot of positive public perception, despite the fact that like we don't 100% know everything about how TikTok works, right? It's still a social media app. It's still a business. It's still a corporation. But despite people knowing that, they feel more connected to Show Chu. And he is in a way, I personally believe, and this is my prediction, that this is not the last we'll see of him, no matter what Congress ultimately decides to do with TikTok. Like, I think this has shown... ByteDance and their overall corporate structure that he is a very powerful tool when it comes to um, the public as well. Personally, I felt from the videos I saw from him that he came off very much like, first of all, it embodied what I expected from TikTok. Like it was filmed on a phone. It wasn't the highest, most produced quality it felt like a FaceTime with your uncle who works in tech. Uh, <laughs> I loved that. Um, he was also very casual. Like, you know, he was in like a hoodie and or I think another video it was like a super casual sweater. Um, very lively, very bouncy, lots of energy. Seems like just like a regular person um, who also happens to be the CEO of huge giant company um but he seemed very genuine the interesting part to me and this is the observation I'll make and I'm not trying to start like a battle between these two people but I it's just compare contrast moment Adam Masseri who is the head of Instagram who is also arguably the face of Instagram has been positioned as such since 2020 And yet the response, nowhere near the same. Again, I understand that there are nuances here with with the potential TikTok ban and blah, blah, blah. Um, However, Adam is also not unfamiliar to testifying before Congress. 
He did so in 2021 uh, when Congress was saying that Instagram was affecting the American youth (laughs) and their minds. Um, And so Adam went to testify as the company CEO. I think, however, that the reason why the perception is so different, one, people just don't feel like he's listening to their concerns when it comes to the platform and what they want to see. But also, I think people kind of like brush that off also because they understand that Adam was specifically placed in this position as the face, not as a CEO, uh, as the face of TikTok because who the fuck else is going to do it, Mark? We all know that Mark ain't rocking with us and so we ain't rocking with Mark, okay? Um, And they... Did, I would argue from like a marketing perspective, strictly as a marketing perspective, they did a really good job in positioning him as this like, you know, relatable, like kind of like, you know, this is just, this is how it's going. And this is what, and I think it worked really well, like during the peak of the pandemic, because there wasn't really any other company that was doing that to the same extent. Um, And we hadn't seen that before from social media companies I mean you know Tom from MySpace and whoever the guy was from Tumblr but like it wasn't to the same extent um where he was like sending us regular updates and it felt kind of like we were on a zoom call with him but then it just evolved into something that personally it's like so to me it feels so highly produced and everything is so perfectly imperfect and curated very in line with Instagram's ethos, to be very honest with you. But now I think people just see Adam as like the talking head. But at the end of the day, he reports to Mark. Like that's who has final call. So I think people realize that and don't really take seriously any of these like updates or Um, any of these things that he comes to tell us because people are like, well, we're probably not going to like it one and two, you're probably not going to do about it because it's not like this is final say for you. Like there's somebody above you who has final say anyway. Um, but I thought it was just very interesting to, to note the difference between how the public perceives him. So if you don't believe me, you can go in the comments (laughs) and look, um, (laughs) between how they are, uh, the differences between how people perceive them. But it is, it, it is very important in today's world to have a face for your company. For example, Dr. Miami. Great one. Is he necessarily like, you know, swimming and in, in people coming to him like for BBLs? I don't know. But I will say I would assume that the amount of revenue that he's making has gone up since he started like positioning himself on social media. Are people aware of the fact that like he's doing this for, you know, for furthering his press tactic and marketing and and growing his business? Yeah, 100 percent people know that. But the way that it's done, it's like so funny. It's so entertaining that he also showcases a lot of his relationship with I think her name is Santana, the social media manager. If you go to the Dr. Miami TikTok page, you'll see what I'm talking about. They do a lot of videos together now. Um, And it feels very authentic and playful and, you know, kind of funny. Um, AOC getting on TikTok, very smart. Like her first video was about the TikTok ban. And AOC's, a lot of AOC's audience skews. If you don't know who I'm talking about, it's Alessandra um, Ocasio-Cortez. 
Um, she, a lot of her audience skews younger. Um, and if they're not younger, they are for a large part women and or minorities. Um, but a lot of her audience is younger and her getting on TikTok very strategically with a video that's like, just to let you guys know in, in the situation similar to like this TikTok ban discussion, usually Congress gets a classified brief beforehand, but Congress did not receive a classified brief. Her persona to me, and this is a subjective opinion, but based on what I know about her target audience, this is her persona is like the big sister in politics. She wants to be that kind of like young insider to the younger generations. Um, like her telling the public that Congress normally gets a classified brief, that's public domain. That information is publicly available, otherwise she wouldn't have said it. But the way that it was delivered and presented felt like you were getting kind of an insider tip, which is the goal. Um, and she knows that her target audience not only skews younger, but it's people who are sick and tired of how the U.S. current political system is currently working, one. Two, they uh, are very knowledgeable about the inner workings of it. That A lot of that is thanks to TikTok. Um, but they are also curious, continuing to be curious on how things work. And the purpose of that, which is number three, is to break some of these older systems or reform them in order to evolve them to fit with the current generational beliefs and directions. And so it is beneficial for her to position herself as kind of that younger insider in the political realm on behalf of younger generations, because then we will see her as, as the person who will help make some of this reform and change on behalf of us. So it's very interesting, but I, I, I mean, politicians, I think it's very smart in general to get on social media. I can't remember what his name is, but one of the um, representatives from North Carolina has done a really great job for that, uh, for that as well. Not one of the people at the congressional hearing. That's not who I'm talking about. I cannot remember his name. If I remember it, I'll put it in the show notes. But he's been doing a really great job to utilize TikTok to give updates on how things are going within uh, the state of North Carolina and also just in the political system of the United States in general. Um, it's really smart to do that in general. Like politicians are the face of politics. They are also supposedly for the people by the people. Like they were elected by the people for the people. So for them to be coming onto platforms where the people are to meet us halfway is incredibly important. Um, but those types of personas are, it's very evident from the get-go that, like, these personas have an agenda, right? They're campaigning, so they want votes. They, um, you know, show you coming on TikTok and asking people to give feedback on, how, on what they think of the platform and how it has changed their lives or helped them. That is for the purpose of showcasing that in his argument for why TikTok shouldn't be banned. People are very aware of that, but it's more so about the delivery and like how it comes across. Is, is, it, is it coming across authentic to you? What, what do you feel in your gut when you see a politician, a business person, um, you know, somebody representing a company 
talking to you about their agenda or about their struggles or about whatever is going on within the company structure. Um, there are some companies, and this is the final thing I'll say, that do not have a face and have chosen not to have a face of their company. Something like McDonald's, for example, or Tiffany's. Um, and in those situations, that's where you have brand ambassadors come in. That's why influencer partnerships or celebrity partnerships happen is because then the celebrity or influencer becomes kind of like the face of the brand, even if it's for a short contractual period. Um, great example is famous orders by McDonald's. Um, Another good example is Martha Stewart of Liquid with Liquid Death. Even though Liquid Death's CEO Mike Cesario has like been positioned in media as like the face of the brand, but I don't think he has his own social media presence much. Um, or you know uh, Sydney Sweeney for Ford, or I think she also did a campaign with Laneige. Like all of that is for the purpose of like, we don't have anybody that we're going to pick as the face, the permanent face that shows up all the time and who gives you updates and reports and da 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 So we're going to partner up with celebrities who we think align with the target audience or, you know, the current target audience, the new audience that we're looking to go after, and we're going to create a campaign with them or some sort of activation. So all of this to say, the fact that personas exist, that's not the problem. It's more so about understanding that if you are building some sort of business or you're looking to have somebody be the face of your company or whether it's one of your C-suite executives or the founder or whoever, make sure they're doing it for the right reasons because people can tell. Like people already, they already know it's marketing. But they want it to feel genuine. So having somebody that you feel can communicate the ethos of your company very well or embody that really well seamlessly without having to pretend, that's where you will get the most success and ultimately avoid any like scandals or crisis management situations down the line because if you pick the wrong person, those situations will happen. So make sure you at least have the team to deal with it. <laughs> um, but hopefully this gave like a, a more well-rounded example of personas um because sometimes it can be difficult to explain what they are without using examples so i hope this was helpful thanks for tuning in to kindly gifted to support the podcast please leave a review share with your friends and don't forget to subscribe make sure you follow me on tiktok at kate mob for more creative secrets from the internet's momager see you on the next episode of kindly gifted